This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, session number 204, Balancing Between Life and Ballet. Five, six, seven, eight. Hello there, and welcome to session number 204 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. I'm Annette Bone, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20-plus year hiatus, the lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. Have you ever met someone where you thought, oh my goodness, this is my new best friend. This is the best friend that I wish I had when I was going through stuff. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt with this conversation that I'm about to share with John Lamb, who is the principal dancer at the Boston Ballet. Amazing. I told him, and you'll hear it probably in this interview, I don't know if I said it to him before or after we recorded, but I said, oh my goodness, I wish you were my best friend in college because I was going through so much mental stuff navigating the dance program when I was studying dance, which uh, ultimately led to me quitting for those 20 plus years. So I really enjoyed our conversation and got so much out of it. Before we get into our conversation, which I know you'll enjoy, I want to bring you a word from our sponsor, who is Fuse Movement Long Beach in the Long Beach, Southern California area studio that is inclusive, welcoming for adults who either have stopped dancing like I did five years ago, or for the adult that wants to explore dance, but is uncomfortable and doesn't know where to start. So I'm really looking forward to sharing this conversation that I had with John Lamb. Shout out to Gina Russo for the recommendation and the connection with John and so thankful for that. Thank you, Gina. Here's a quick information on our sponsor, Fuse Movement Long Beach, and my wonderful, fantastic conversation with John Lamb. Thank you so much for joining me. This session of the Dancepreneuring Studio is brought to you by Fuse Movement Long Beach, a judgment-free zone and an all-inclusive studio offering adult fitness, dance, and wellness workshops. It can be intimidating to walk up to a dance or fitness studio for the first time, but Fuse Movement is a safe space to move and have fun. For more information, visit them at FuseMovementLB.com. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. So it's snowing in Boston and you have Mondays off only. Your boys are at home. So what is today going to look like for you since you're stuck inside? Today, well, uh, today we have to shovel. (laughs) (laughs) I have to shovel. That is going to be my day is shoveling the driveway so that we can access our cars out. Um, probably go outside and probably make uh, more snowmen. It, sh- it snowed about a couple days before today. Made a little snowman and now there's more snow. So we'll just be making more snowmen. <laughs> oh, fun. Oh, my gosh. Well, I know you're originally from you've, you were raised in Southern California after your parents um, got to the U.S. and stuff. Yes. Do you do you have well, you're dancing with the Boston Ballet, but do you have any desire to go back to California or have you thought about where you want to live or you're very happy with where you're at with your family? What um, what's that like? Right. That's a that's an open ended question. (laughs) (laughs) I've been, you know, I've been with Boston Ballet for 16 years. 
this has been pretty much where I've created my career. Um, and of course, I would love to go back home and be with San Francisco Ballet. San Francisco Ballet was actually my first choice ballet company to go to. But upon a graduation, I had this amazing opportunity to come to Boston and the timing just seemed right. And my connection with the artistic director, Miko Nissanen, seemed to be right. So I took a plunge and, and, and came to Boston after graduating. But I always think about how it would be like or what it would be like if I went to California or how my career would have unraveled at San Francisco Ballet. I think that I still have time. I mean, to me, I still think I have time to make another jump or make a jump, not another jump, but make a jump if I wanted to. Um, but right now I'm content in where I am. I worked my butt off to become a principal dancer here and I sustained that that rank and I've been able to create a beautiful family at the same time. So I kind of have best of both worlds right now. The only, I guess, puzzle to that is I'm not close to my parents uh, geographically because they're in California, but I do try to visit them every summer or I try to, when I'm not guesting or having other um, dancing gigs. But I don't know. It's like I said, it's an open ended question. I, I wouldn't, say no and I wouldn't say yes really it's um we don't know what the future holds you know I I don't know you know I might decide hey like I want to just move my whole entire family out there um or just stay here and and finish out my career here at Boston so it's I uh, contemplate on this and I contemplated on this more so when I was much younger um as a younger dancer um, but uh, I just Boston kept keeping me to stay. <laughs> ah, yes. Well, you know the impression that I get from what I've learned about you is that you're very much about um, your family, of course. Which I have to say, your sons are adorable. Thank <laughs> oh my you, gosh! Thank you. And well, uh, you know, I loved your wedding pictures. I saw this wedding picture of you know, uh, it, it happened in Vermont, right? You got married in Vermont, yes. and um, just the joy. I, you know, it. It's just, you know, dancing gives you joy. Obviously, you've been doing, you know, right. you've had longevity and it, it was your passion since you were four years old. And, and right. um, I, rem- I remember seeing something that you talked about how th- what one thing that was difficult is, fi- and, you know, especially as a technical ballet artist, is that finding that um, constant inspiration because you obviously have to keep up the technicality and the demands as an athlete but then right. finding that inspiration. So what is inspiring you these days? I know your family inspires you, obviously, understandably, but um, what are the things you find inspire you to keep going? You know, it's an ongoing question. And it's an ongoing conversation that I have with myself and reevaluating my own art and how I view it, how I sustain it, and how I am able to keep going and be inspired but you know i think small little things when you live your life and you run into certain people and life experiences those experiences can stay with you and for me i think that i've been very lucky in meeting some amazing incredible mentors and those relationships that i forged and and kept 
has really helped me going. And I think that when I go into work and I am doing the work that I need to do, I always remember that I'm not just a typical artist. And I think that it's because I was instilled by all these coaches and mentors that I've had that has really fed me that I, that I'm, there's something different about me and that I need to really um, hone that and respect that. And I think that that is the constant inspiration that continues my light to be ignited. Even though there has been times and seasons where you feel very uninspired by the ballets or your casting or whatever you're dancing isn't really inspiring. But there is this, this unspoken reality that, that an artist has to really just try to find its own discipline in inspiring oneself. And I think that that my relationships with other people has really helped me um, sustain that because it's not just like one thing of, Oh, I just had kids. So that's inspiring. Or I, or I met one person. It's just like an overall life experience that continues the inspiration that makes me want to continue to explore what it is to be an artist. And I'm always, you know, I have this term of like, um, quote unquote, like a forever learner where you're just always forever learning about yourself and you're learning about, humanity, you're learning about society, you're learning about how people react to you, you're learning about how you react to other people, you're learning about new choreography, choreographers, choreographies, um, and it's just that constant, always openness to want to learn, and I think that that has helped me continue to grow and continue to keep going, because I'm still curious, I'm still curious of what I can bring to the table. I know what I, I, I have gained a lot of experience in figuring out what works best for me. And I think that, that, that that's just plain old experience. You know, you, you, you can't really compare me to a, a, a dancer that's like freshly 19 years old who probably has much more technical things under his or her belt. But the experience is something that can't be taught. It's mostly um, going through it and how you deal with those experiences. And I think that that's what keeps me going because I know that I've arrived here when I was about 18 years old and I've stayed here and I've seen a lot of my other dancer friends leave and go and jump to other companies or they keep jumping and they keep going to other companies to find quote unquote happiness or quote unquote the inspiration that they're seeking for. And I think everywhere where you go, it's not going to be perfect. I don't think there's any perfect place. It's just a matter of how you are able to make it work for yourself. And so far, I've been able to make it for make it work for myself, and I've been able to like self inspire myself. And also, when I am able to like have the time to like go see a show and like be inspired by other dancers and other artists, um, that's always gratifying to experience that as well. So, you know how happy, my- yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just, I'm just getting so excited talking to you because you're making me so happy with everything that you're talking about. <laughs> well, I was just saying, you know, like it's, it's just that we, we, I, I don't, I, I think that it's a, in general because like inspiration in general, I mean, as an artist and as a dancer, it's such a competitive world and it's, it's so cutthroat. It's a volatile um, environment and all these things that are going against happiness or going against optimism and going against what you want to succeed you know and it's and it's really odd because 
from an outsider, you look at these beautiful dancers and beautiful dancers on stage, and it's such a beautiful thing. But many people do not understand the the work that goes into it. And when I say work, not just like plain old like go to the go to work and like rehearse for six hours and learn choreography and this and that, whatever. It's just the constant battle of like waking up and deciding, okay, I'm going to come to work and be present. And it's like a general thing I find. It's not just dance. It's in any profession. You know, you wake up and whatever your profession is, like you have a decision and choice to like make it the day work out for you. Or if something, you know, doesn't work out for you, figuring out how to like go beyond that or learn from it and move forward versus you know, looking at the bad and just like spiraling down and being negative. This negativity doesn't really like help anyone. It doesn't really um, help you succeed personally. And it doesn't really help you like move forward into figuring out what you want at the end of the day. Um, so I don't know. I, I've, I think I've grown and I've matured and I've, you know, I've made mistakes myself and only wanting to be a dancer, dancer, dancer. But I've had experiences like injuries that has really pulled me out of the quote unquote dance world and really just kind of like examine like what is my life like without dance? And that's really hard to <clears throat> examine yourself when your life is just about dance. And um and I'm very thankful that that happened. I mean, sounds weird because at the time I was not thankful <laughs> that I was injured <laughs> and I had to I was out for a whole year. Um, and it changed my my whole approach to myself and what I what I, I see myself as a dancer. But at the same time, it it made me learn that all that what we do, whatever vocation that you're in or whatever passion that you're passionate about, that it can be taken away in an instant. Whatever it is, if you're a writer, if you're a basketball player, if you're a dancer, if you're an ice skater, if you're a driver, whatever it is, something physically can take you out unbeknownst to yourself, unbeknownst to like, just in general, like you don't know if you're going to get injured. You don't know if you're going to like be blind. You don't know if you're going to be struck and you can't walk anymore or whatever it is. There's lots of factors that we just don't know. Right. So the only thing that we do know is just self-reflection of like your own happiness of like figuring out like, okay, what am I doing? Is that effective enough for me to be happy with and to just grow as a human being? And I think that being injured really helped me define what that is. And it took me years. It didn't just take me like a year or, or two to like go through the growing of pains. I think I would say it took me like at least four years from my injury to like really grasp the concept of like, okay, like I love dance and dance is my life, but it's not. It's not everything, even though I say that dance is my identity because it is a part of my identity, but it's not my full scope of who I as a who I am as a human being and as an artist, that's very hard because I feel like artists are crazy themselves and we're very self um, indulgent in who we are and what we do and of course, I'm that, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm mindful about it and i'm trying and, and I think that also having children and being forced to have a whole other responsibility in your life than just myself and my dance has really helped harness a full, healthy, well-rounded situation for myself. Um, maybe other dancers who have children, that's, that's not the case. But for my, for me, it, 
it has been. And I've just taken these things in strides and just kind of like move forward with, with it all. And the thing is, my husband and I, and that's the other thing too, is I'm very, very grateful that I found my husband here in Boston. Um, and that kind of answers your your initial question of if I would have moved back to California, that if I would have had my career in California, I probably would have never met my husband and then wouldn't have my family. So everything is very kind of connected in a weird, odd way that we don't know about. <laughs> but, you know, I stayed here, met my husband, and then I got married, and then we got two kids. And so it's like, it's a beautiful thing to look back and see, okay, well, you know, I decided to do this, and these are the things that happened. And I'm very grateful that my husband is a very, very supportive husband. Um, he understands the the short-lived career that we all live as a dancer and also the intense pressures that we're under. Um, he understands that and he's very mindful about that. So it helps me really focus on what I need to do when I need to focus. Like when I'm like, for example, I can tell you exactly what's happening right now is that opening night of full-on Forsyth with the Wolf premiere is coming this Thursday and it's William Forsyth's first basically world premiere creation that he has done since he's left Bally Frankfurt and especially in North America. So this is a huge deal for him as a very well-renowned choreographer, but to be a part of that has been incredible. And then just the pressures of like being able to exude and to flourish for him so that his work comes out because it's been so long for him to be out and it's just those kind of pressures my husband understands that you know if I need to stay longer or if I need to if they need to keep me longer at the theater and I can't be here that he's able to like take the reins and be responsible and be daddy and papa at the same time so it's um it's like a working team and I'm very grateful and thankful that I have a team that that is supportive right now because I you know I'm not going to dance forever and uh, who knows what the next chapter will be <laughs> because I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's one of your questions you're going to ask me. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad, you know, John, I am so glad that you, ex- you t- I love the way you expressed everything and you're so open about all of this stuff. And, and you yeah. know what I really appreciate too, is that you are obviously focused on the positive. And I love what you said about, you know, it doesn't do any good to be negative about things and deciding right from the get go from the day. It's not about getting through the motions, but really putting the intensity and the intention and being present in your work. And I, I get right. that from talking to you and from watching you and the things that I've learned about you. And I so appreciate that. And I thought, oh my gosh, I would have wanted him to be my best friend in college when uh, I needed it the most. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, so it's, you know, I, like, I don't think that my viewpoint was always like this. Ah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, before I met my husband, I was quite a bunhead, quote unquote, and just being, I, ha- I had to just dance, 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 and that was my life, and my outside life was just studying videos and, and resting just for, like, my rehearsals and doing all these things that were just primarily just for dance. And the thing is, that I think that I, I've been able to, like, live both lives a little bit where I've experienced that. Like, I've experienced the severity of being super, super, super disciplined. And I still can be, but I choose not to be extremely, extremely closed-minded in being disciplined. 
I guess that's the word is that I'm not close, I'm not closed minded disciplined. I'm open minded disciplined, meaning that I need to be able to be disciplined as a father to my two children that 100% relies on me. And I need to have, and I have that responsibility as being a father, which is an incredible gift and choice that my husband and I decided to have a family and create. And then on top of that, to sustain the career that I've created for the past 16 years. And it's funny because I speak to my husband, who's a lawyer by trade, and he's been practicing law as long as I have been a professional dancer for 16 years. He's been a boy for 20 years. And the similarities that we both run into in terms of like the people that he deals with, his clients and for other contract partners versus me dancing, working with, with my dancer, with my dancer colleagues and my director and artistic, and artistic staff, they're very similar where, uh, it's like human interaction of like how things go and then the political climate of not political in terms of like politics, but like political climate means like there's always politics in dance and there's always politics in anywhere we go. And it's just a matter of fact of how to deal with that and. And how do you gauge figuring things out so that you don't like get caught up with the whole like, well, she's being casted because her mother's the donor of this and that and whatever. But it's being like, I go back to being mindful. You know, it's I, I think that pe- we all forget to be mindful because we always just, pre- we have this societal mindset of just like, it needs to be instant gratification. It needs to have an instant result and it has to be picture perfect. So we yes. all have this societal like, image imagery of a smoking mirror where it's like okay like the mirror looks beautiful but we're gonna just put some little smoke to it and it's gonna look gorgeous yet that smoke is not sustainable it's going to dissipate somehow somewhere sometime and it's going to reveal the real realities when you face the mirror because the mirrors don't lie it's the it's the actual you see yourself you see what you are you see what it is and so I, I go back to that as an artist because it's like, okay, like my responsibility is having a responsibility to my art form and to my art and how I interpret it with the choreographer and able to do to make that my, my own on stage so that I can affect people when they watch with me. I'm not interested in just dancing steps and having a great show for people to be entertained. Yes, it's entertainment, but I go beyond that. I want them to be touched. I want them to be like, wow, like, John, you know, and, and I go back to last season where I was able to dance Balanchine's Prodigal Son and I was the son. And it's an epic, it's an epic ballet. It's an epic role. It's an iconic role and many incredible artists have danced it. And I was given the opportunity to do it. And I really just dove into like what a, the Prodigal Son meant to me. And it was very interesting because I took all from my experience because I remember being a, a 20 year old where I wouldn't really listen to anybody and I would just rebel for my parents and listening, you know, they would tell me this and that and whatever. And I wouldn't really listen. And then coming full circle without being a dad <laughs> and teaching my own kids, I'm like, wow, like I've kind of like gone through the whole full circle. And now I have this opportunity of a part to really exude it. And I remember, I don't know if you've seen this ballad, but at the end of the scene, the son but he goes, he rebels from his father and he goes out, out in the quote unquote forest and then everything is stripped from him and, and he has nothing at the end. He, he's on his knees begging to come back home to his father. And back in the day, it's like, if you rebelled, you, you were like, you were not allowed to come back. 
And that moment, like till this day, till this day is like probably like the best moment for me as an artist. Well, there's two, but that one I'll, I'll well, there's three. But <laughs> <laughs> this, one, this one is very current because it just happened last year. The music is so powerful because it's very calm. And the best part is that there is zero dancing. I am on my knees and I am basically kneeling on my knees, going across the stage on my knees, putting my hands out and asking for forgiveness, asking my father forgiveness. And all the characters on stage are just there still. So everybody's still and imagine one, a, a, a prodigal son who has to beg forgiveness and humility to their to their own father and he opens his hands and and offers it but i have to i have to come to him through my knees by kneeling and it and it's such a poignant beautiful moment in that ballet because it's at the end of the ballet and i just remember i just remember crying i was crying myself on stage because because i love my art so much that i exude it within my body and my blood and my soul and my heart and and hope that I'm able to affect people that watch it and I remember people afterwards just like coming towards me like in tears and saying like that that was the best prodigal son I've ever seen wow wow thank you so much and then later on Boston Globe announced that it was like the best dance shows or dance performances of 2018 and I was and I was best of performance in Prodigal Son for 2018 in the dance performance. So I felt that a lot of, and you know, and I was an opening night. That's the other thing. That's the caveat. You know, we always think, okay, opening night, opening night is going to be the best cast. And I was fourth cast. I was a fourth cast Prodigal. And that didn't bother me because at my like age and my temperament and my, where I am in my career, you give me the stage and I will eat it up. Like, it doesn't matter if it's going to be opening night or not. And it, just getting these accolades ha- really gave me the confidence that what I'm doing is correct, that I am doing what I am supposed to do in my life right now. And that's to inspire people. And people to this day will still come up to me and say, I saw, I, came, I heard about your protocol, and we came back the second week show run and specifically came to your show because your protocol was, uh, we heard that people were in tears and people were blown away by your it's the it's the dramatic thematic artistic choice that you make in characters that will help people to sit down and see something that's quite abstract and understand a story because ballet is quite abstract like you're like oh yes a prince is falling in love with someone that's dead and then is a spirit <laughs> you're like what how do you think that <laughs> how do you how do you how do you make that into like reality like now and i think that the challenge of that to me is very invigorating in challenging myself to make it real and to make it i guess yeah i guess that's the word is, is to make it real for the audience because those because audience members aren't you can't assume audience members are educated in dance you have to assume that they don't know what they're seeing. And it's your responsibility as an artist to exude the story and also bring that character to life and also make sure the choreography is correct from the choreographer's perspective. And you want to also want to dance very well. 
So there's a lot of responsibilities of what you need to do in order to make the epic performance be successful. But for me at this time, it's just like all those checklists like are already has to already be a given. You know, it's not like something that I need. I don't. I don't get nervous about those things. I get more nervous about am I going to enjoy this process of being on stage? I think that's what I worry about the most because if I'm not able to enjoy it, then it's like going to be gone in like an hour because it's live art you know live art we you don't we get we practice we practice we practice but at the, at the end of the day a show is only an hour hour and a half and then it's done so you have that moment in time to really grab it and to really inspire someone or inspire yourself or you just do the steps and you just get the show over with and just you know people just clap and enjoy a show and they go home so there's choices that we make and I think that I'm so dedicated to my art that that I'm willing to take the process and to still be open and to still be curious into always trying to be the best artist I can be, whatever that is. Because there's no real answer to that epic question. This <laughs> is an, an ongoing it's an ongoing conversation that I have and. And like to this day now, you know, when we're doing the full on foresight that opens this Thursday, we're doing, we are repeating Valley Call Pop Heart. And I did that last year and it was fantastic. And I'm revisiting the same role, but revisiting the same role is also very amazing because you're not nervous about like, oh, like I need to remember the steps of the choreography. It's more that I know the steps, I know the choreography. Now, how am I going to catapult myself to being a better version of me? of what I did last year, but better this year, 2019. So that's just like the constant unraveling, raveling, unraveling, raveling. It's like a present, like you wrap it and you think it's perfect, but you're like, no, but it could be this way. Then so you have to like unwrap it <laughs> and then you wrap it again and then you put a bow on it. And you're like, oh, I don't want that bow, I want a different bow. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's like to, to make an analogy, I guess that's, that's how I would say is that you just continually always want to the box is perfectly there, but it's now just kind of like, how do I want to um, present it? Do I want to present it in red? Do I want to present it in purple? Do I want to present it in bows? Do I want to do frills? Do you want this? Do you want that? And it's endless. And it's the curiosity of being endless. And that's why I love Billy Forsyth. I love his mindset and his views of dance and how there's always curiosity within the movement and within the art. And it's about and it's our responsibility as artists to be curious because many dancers that are not curious because unfortunately you have these magazine, dance magazines that only feed young, quote unquote, young girls who only want to have pretty feet and legs and high extensions and being thin when, when that perception is not a reality of what it's like to be a quote unquote artist. Um, we don't really talk about what an artist is because it's an untangible thing that people don't like to talk about. And I think that that's sad because I'm like, then it just becomes a sport. You know, it just becomes, it just becomes steps. And when it just becomes steps, then you're seeing dancers become robots. And when you, when you see robots on stage, then you become, un, you become uninspired. And then the art becomes detrimental to being lost. Um, I think that's why with art history, we've had incredible artists who really like defined what artists are, just the crazy love that they had for their own art and, and what they did. You really gave 
for a forefront road passageway for all of us. And it's just our choice to do it. And of course, you know, we deal with the societal social media and how, and how that trends for younger aspiring dancers and what sells. So if it doesn't sell well to older readers, of course they have to sell to younger readers. So there's all these things that I get like that, that hits the market. And I would hope that dance magazines, because they have the power and they have the lens for people to get dance information, that they're mindful about it. So, and that's really up to the editors. <laughs> oh my gosh, you said so many wonderful things and the conversation, and this is, oh my gosh, you know, all the stuff that you talked about, I've been in conversation with, with um, people that I know. And you're right though, people don't, not everybody likes to talk about this kind of stuff because it's, no, it takes no. more, it takes more <laughs> mind work and it's yeah, not, I'm very much about the conversation of what's behind the movement. Where is, where's that coming from? And what you were talking about, how, am I going to enjoy it? Okay. I know the choreography. I know the, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but how am I going to bring this to life? And I love that you are so aware that your the totality of your life experiences informs your art period. I mean, I just, I love that. Love, love, love that. And um, I wanted to know also, do have your son seen you in a production? I I wasn't sure about that. So, so they saw me for the first time as Nutcracker, the Nutcracker, this past year, but my son, you know, my sons are five and three, so they're quite still young to like sit in a production. So I don't know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll be able to see the full and four size. It might not, you know, it's hard for someone that young to sit down and just watch people move. So I really try to bring them to like a rehearsal where they, they can sit down. It's more of a relaxed environment. And then I don't need to like worry that they're making, that they're, that they're distracting other people. So, um, but no, they haven't yet. And hopefully, fingers crossed, I will still be dancing for a couple more years so that my my kids will be able to like, you know, have some sort of understanding of like, oh, da- my dad was a dancer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. So, so I wanted to also ask you about um, there's so <laughs> much good stuff you talked about. I cannot wait to release this interview. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so good, John. I so resonate with everything you said. Seriously. Thank you. I, I'm really, you know, I I've realized that I think that as artists, we're given a lot of PR opportunities, and with with podcasts like these and with other media opportunities, we have an opportunity to be open and to help educate people, and to also have like a lens to like see like what it's like or to hear about it. And I think that it's, for me, it's been very gratifying to like have these opportunities and just share. Cause it's just about sharing ideas. It's ideas that we all, like you said, it's ideas that we all know of, but we just don't talk about it because people don't have like, they don't think that it's important to talk about, which at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at our quote unquote political climate right now, where people are not mindful about what they're saying or doing, that it is a detriment to society and it is a detriment to humanity. And it's like in anything else, like I was talking to my husband, it's like it's in anything else. We see our pre- current president, how he acts and reacts and, and how it filters through a child who is only 10 years old, how they're going to react to other people and how it's okay to react because if the president can act like this, then it gives us 
the 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 righteousness of acting like this and it's like okay but we really need to like step back and understand what has history done and what the detriment to that was and learn from it and then also be able to like see it for what it is and i think that's for dance too it's like we have to be able to talk about things in order to learn (laughs) about what it's about and then it's the choice of people wanting to continue to learn or or not and that's fine you know some people might not want to and that's and that's the thing too about me is that I'm very much like okay like I get it like if you don't want if you don't want to hear it or if you don't, if you see it another way that is also fine too because everybody has different experiences and other people people have different perspectives and I learn as well from them and I just try to really be open about it and I try to be I try to have this perspective I think perspective is also key in life because if we don't have if you don't have perspective, then you just get very narrow-minded and you get very judgy and you get very down. And And having a perspective and having empathy is something very, like, we don't talk about it. And and and, it's, and the thing is that I love to talk about it because I want to exude these qualities with my children because I don't know how it's like, I don't know how it's going to be like to be living in 2020 or 2030 for my kids. You know, I, I know how it's like to live in the 2000s now or when I was born in in, in, 80, in the 80s, but I don't know how their growing pains will be like. Their growing pains will, are going to be completely different than mine. And so I am just trying to be mindful of like, well, all we can do as parents is to equip them with the qualities that we would hope to equip them as being a great, confident, mindful human being. Yes. At the end, and then at the end of the day, it's up to them as adults when they become adults to figure out what they want to do with their lives. And, and it's so weird to talk about it because when, looking back at when I'm a child growing up, my parents always taught me about what it's like to be a good, just a quote unquote good kid. Like know your manners, respect your elders, <laughs> be respectful, like simple things that we like, we take for granted. But I'm like, but the thing is, Life, of course, was much simpler back in the day, of course. But sometimes those simple qualities and reinforcements of discipline is like all, it's just all that you need to just be like a quote unquote good person. Yes. <laughs> and like, if we don't talk about that or, you know, then, then it gets lost in the shuffle of just like, what is a good being good person? Does it mean you have to eat this? Do you need to drink this? Do you need to exercise this many times? Do you need to do this? And it gets very like, overwhelming you know and i'm like god like and and i think that's why my husband and i we have a home in vermont and we and we go there often to get away from city life and just to have like more of a simple calmer kind of way and and people forget that you know people forget nature people forget that we live on earth I mean, I mean, we laugh about it, right? But right. It's, it's kind of true because because our lives are all just about like succeeding, succeeding. What is success? What is the definition of success to us? You know, and that's an ongoing question that has always been on for every for all generations, right? And and it's just we forget, we forget to just like let's just like go outside and and build a snowman. Yes, and just be <laughs> in play. Yes, right. Even though I'm like tired of hat and like I have opening night coming up soon and. Uh, my body's trashed from like the many hours of rehearsals yesterday and the day before. But living your life like as is right now, that's, I think that's key 
I think success, your personal success, is that you're able to just live your life mindfully and to just continue on and trying to be the best you you can present yourself every day. So, I mean, it's easy. I think it's easy for me to say that because I'm very fortunate and very lucky that I live in a state and live in an area where being a gay openly man and raising two children in a gay family is more accepted here than in other states where that is not accepted. And so I do take that into consideration when I, when I laugh and when I talk about this, because there might be a child or there might be someone out there that's listening to this where they're just like, well, I'm in a state where like being a homosexual is like a detriment and also my family doesn't accept me and I'm trying to create, you know, all these things that I can imagine that are very hard for people to go through and live their quote unquote mindful life when they have much harder life experiences that they have to face on a day-to-day basis. And that's very tough because it's an ongoing question that I question myself of questioning and saying, asking myself, well, what would you say to those, those people listening? Because, you know, maybe they have access to listen to a podcast, but they don't have access to be in a quote unquote safe environment or they're not in a societal acceptance area where their friends are very accepting. And it's like, well, if you choose that or you live in your life as a lie or, or not, I mean, I, I dive into many things that are, are, are sad in our society. And I think the only question is to that there, there are mediums out there that you can reach for help. I think that's the only, I guess, answer and hope that I can give if someone's listening out there to like have hope is that that there are people that that under not understand because obviously we're not in their shoes, but that are willing to help if they're able to reach out to to the means that they're able to reach out to. Because there are so many forms out there that can help you. It's just a matter of trying to find the right form to help yourself within the environment that you're in. And that to never lose hope for that because it's tough. I mean, I I grew up in the project as a child, I was closeted to my family when I was a young child. I left home when I was 14 and liked my parents that I would not be gay because that was the main reason why my parents would not let me go to a full right scholarship to advanced school because they didn't want me to be gay because of their perception of what homosexuality is. But I left home at 14, promising my family that I wouldn't be gay. And 17 years later, <laughs> I'm completely 100% gay and out, and my whole family knows, and I'm married to a man, and I have two children. So a child that grew up in the project, that had no artistic education, that had no, uh, my parents didn't push me to dance, they didn't know what dance was, you know, I was pretty much left on my own to resource for myself, and somehow by entrusting myself and who I am as a human being and, and, and listening to the desires of my passion of, of dance for me, it led to what I live now and what I believe in now. Because I don't think that, you know, there is that totality of thinking, oh, well, if you're, if you are brought up in a very well-educated community and you have the financial means to do this and to do that, yes, it's great. 
but it doesn't build it doesn't build true character of what it means to really fight for something that you really desire and what you want. Because frankly, that's what I did. I didn't have anything. My parents, you know, they were like, you can go dance, but you need to figure out like how to get there. You need to figure out like how to get your own clothes. You have to figure out like, you know, food. If you get hungry during rehearsals, you know, these are legitimate things that I had to figure out as like a six year old. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why when I look, when I view other kids who have so much more, I'm like, Y- y'all need to just wake up and like work yes. for things because, <laughs> because because things are given very easily and, and I'm very mindful as a parent as myself and my husband myself because my kids are very um, you know they, they have a lot of things that I did not have and I try to educate them and let them understand that that you know these are the, you know daddy and papa goes and works and the reason why we work is because we have this house and that's why we have clothes and that's why we have food it doesn't just come out of nowhere and you know, you can't, you know, maybe you have your friends that have this and that and whatever, but it doesn't mean you have to have it all, you know, and, and just reiterating that and, and to have that conversation, because a lot of, I find also as a parent, talking to other parents, is that many parents don't like to have that conversation. Um, and I think that's just a generational um, thing, because when when we grew up, we had to fight for things. And then we think that, since we've made it and now we have children that, you know, children shouldn't, our children from our generation shouldn't have to fight for it. I'm like, no, they need to in order to sustain what quote unquote hard work is. We find, we find that there's a lot of the younger generation that comes into these, into the workforce that really just give up easily or they just don't have the discipline in just sustaining quote unquote perseverance. You know, everybody thinks that it's roses. <laughs> in in the in the workforce, and I think that I think that colleges should be able to like talk about this. That it's not going to be easy, and if it's and when it's not easy, it doesn't mean that you give up. It just means you have to work another way around it in order to make it work for you, or to sustain some sort of open conversation about what needs to be done in order to get the job done. I mean, it's, there's so many things. There's so many things that we need to do as as people, as human beings, but. God, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, finding your true self of who you are. And then when you're able to accept that, then you, then you can start helping other people. <laughs> yes. It all starts on the inside. And it's so it's, I love this because all the things that I wanted to ask and talk about, you're already naturally talking about. So, <laughs> so you're making this quite easy and you're saying so many wonderful yes. things that are, you know, I know regardless of what stage at an artist or someone that is um, looking to find, you know, the whole thing with happiness and having things inform your artistry, you've covered all of it. So I really appreciate it, John. Thank you so much for being so open about all this stuff. So I wanted to ask you two questions that I ask. um, Like I said, I'm not going to ask the third one because you said in the article that you don't have a favorite choreography choreographer because you like all of them. So um, what is the dance style that you haven't tried, but would like to and why? Oh, I would love to learn how to, what is it called? Like to not break, it's not really break dancing, but like to pop and lock. Like I'd love to learn, I would learn, I would love to learn how to sustain a body part and be able to still move another part and to create that imagery. 
because I think that that is very interesting to me as a, like on a on a physical and challenge way. Because I'm like, wow, like yeah, there are some things that we do like do that in dance, but pop and lock is like very different. It's a very specific style, and I would love to do that. And I also would love to I would love to um, um, tap. I've never I've never tapped in my life, but I think that tapping would have, would be beneficial in just finding rhythm but those are just things that i would probably just do on my own like later on <laughs> ah, I'm, well i'm looking forward to seeing that i'm sure well with your work ethic and you already have an artistic <laughs> background i would love to see what kind of movement you create with all that when you do decide to do that so that's going to be really yes. cool to see yes. my second and <laughs> my second and last question is what is the dance style that currently describes your day and why at this moment Oh God, it's Forsyth. Ah, of course. <laughs> right now, it's it's Forsyth. It's it's all about him, and it's all about his work and his his work ethic and the style, and and it's quite amazing because we uh, at my first Forsyth style that I did was when I was around eighteen, and that was in the middle somewhat elevated and it was an incredible experience for me and I just really loved the intensity of the extreme positions that you would have to create and also the endless possibilities of what could be done within the movement. And um I've been so lucky to to be a part of that conversation of of process of, of being in his ballets that this is not just my first Forsyth ballet, but it's it's something more meaningful, I think, more now because he's physically here and he's working with us every day for hours and hours and hours. And he's so willing to continue that conversation with you. And I think that that's what also right now currently defines what I'm doing now is, is Forsyth. Just his, his way of working and his way of creating these beautiful, incredible ballets and and i'm just so grateful and thankful to be a part of it um because not everybody will be able to say that they can work with foresight oh my gosh um, yeah and also be able to dance his work so yeah so that's what defines me right now <laughs> yeah that's a yeah well that's a great definition but again it's it's your work ethic and your approach and you as a person bringing that choreography and that work to life so that it's just amazing that you that you recognize that I that's why I'm, I'm just loving this so much because you are you so own who you are and what you represent and having everything inform your artistry and just the importance that you put on your art, artistry so thank you so much this has been such thank an honor you. and a pleasure to have you <laughs> thank you so much for having me Thank you so much for joining me on this session. Remember that you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great.